I'm TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. And I ask that you like, share, and comment on this video. Thanks for watching. All I got to say is, who that? Hey, don't let these tears fool you. There's all dog around this mug. I'm good. Hey, what's going on, Who That Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones. And yes, I am the host of the State of the Saints podcast. Thank you so much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast, where we talk New Orleans Saints. Hope everyone had a great weekend. And to all my mothers out there that's watching this right now, I want to wish you a uh, happy Mother's Day belated. Um, I hope that you had a really good Mother's Day weekend. Um, I want to get started. want to give a special shout out to my mom. Miss Carolyn Jones Smith, of course. Uh, some of you probably see her pop up in the chat from time to time, but she's always watching the show. Uh, just want to let my mom know that I love her very much. Uh, those that follow the show know how much my mom means to me. Uh, she's very, very important. Probably wouldn't even be as good at public speaking if it wasn't for her. And I definitely get my creative abilities from her. So from the bottom of my heart, I want to say that I love her. And uh, this show is dedicated to you as well as my beautiful wife, Ashley who uh, I spent yesterday with, had a good time. Did a little barbecuing, got a little barbecue ribs, barbecue chicken on the grill for her. Um, it was something that she wanted, but she's an extraordinary woman as well. So want to wish uh, them a happy uh, Mother's Day, which I did yesterday, but um, also just want to acknowledge them on today. But uh, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about um, uh, rookie minicamp. Uh, rookie minicamp. Uh, kicked off a couple days ago, and it was extremely exciting to see uh, some promising guys that are going to help the New Orleans Saints team reach the next level. Uh, we all know about the Saints' first-round uh, pick, Brian Bercy, um, you know, coming out of Clemson, uh, you know, looked apart. Uh, he's a guy that has a high motor. should be interesting to see him, uh, you know, take on 
uh, you know, stiff competition as, you know, time goes on and also get acclimated to the defense. Uh, a few people that uh, talk to the media um, um, was Isaiah Fowski. He's the second round pick. Fowski uh, comes out of Notre Dame, a lot of cachet. And one thing that we like about uh, Isaiah Fowski is the fact that, you know, he's part of that new age hybrid type defensive end group that I, I constantly talk about here uh, on the show. And the media asks uh, Isaiah a little bit about that versatility and could that have been the deciding factor to get him drafted by the Saints? I feel like that's me, but like in this defense, I still can go inside. I'm 270 now going inside. I can play that. I come off the edge, still show off speed off the edge with the read options, stuff like that. But it shows off my athleticism. What was, was that maybe one of uh, one of the things you brought to the table that not every defensive end could bring is that you can run down yeah. a Jalen Hurts-style quarterback? Yeah, definitely. That's just my style of the game. I Chasing down quarterbacks all the time, just showing my versatility and like always trying to get to the ball every single play. So as you can see, man, I mean, he, he's part of that new hybrid uh, defensive end edge rusher that that I love. And I constantly talk about here on the State of the Saints podcast. You know, he's a guy who has six force fumbles in college. Reminds me a lot of DeMarcus Ware. DeMarcus Ware was really, really smart when it came to the pass rushing. You know, even if he couldn't get to the quarterback exactly, putting him on the ground, he always had his arm out to try to knock the ball out of his hands. Uh, so, you know, I see a lot of that in Fosky. You know, of course, only time will tell. I like the fact that he decided to balloon up a little bit to 270. Doesn't really look like it, of course. I mean, he packed on a little bit of muscle, I think, uh, at the start of the draft. I think he was maybe like 260, 262, if I'm not mistaken. And I actually seen him in person. I mean, he, he's a he's a very, uh, you know, put-together guy. So him adding on that 270 just tells you everything that you need to know. He's definitely trying to go on a hunt to try to uh, take down these quarterbacks. Uh, but, of course, uh, speaking of quarterbacks, we got to talk about Fresno State uh, quarterback, now New Orleans Saints quarterback, Jake Hayner. Uh, Jake Hayner uh, came out of college, out of Fresno State, completing 72% of his passes, had 20 touchdowns and only three interceptions on last season. And, of course, his accuracy, his height, <laughs> and some of his ability – is being mirrored and being compared to that of Saints legendary quarterback Drew Brees. Um, Jake Hayner was asked about that, and um, has he um, reached out to Drew Brees and what kind of relationship he has with and him? I, I talked to him in January, got to meet him, sat there with him for a few hours, watched some tape with him. Um, but, you know, Drew's a legend here, and obviously Drew is Drew. So. I like that little awkward smile at the end. <laughs> But uh, shouts out to Jake Hayner. I like the answer to this. Um, you know, it shows a little bit of the confidence that he has in himself. He's, he's basically saying, Drew is Drew and I'm me. And then there's nothing wrong with that. You know, Jake Hayner is a guy who I feel like if he was probably a little bit taller, he probably was a baller. You know what I'm saying? He, you know, <laughs> but no, nah, seriously, if Jake Hayner was a little bit taller, um, you know, I think he probably would have went maybe like late first, early second round. I mean, I think that's the only knock that they had on him. Watching him at the combine spin it, uh, you know, he's not the guy with the strongest arm in the world, but what he does really well is put the ball where it needs to be. And that's what wide receivers really want, you know, and if he can actually learn the playbook and develop, uh, I think that he can be a really good quality quarterback. Now, I'm not going to say that he's going to be a starting quarterback, and I get it, the high completion percentage, uh, being six feet tall, you know, all these things that look and sound like Drew Brees. 
And I think that sometimes Saints fans, uh, we get enamored with guys that have those measurables and we just are looking for the next Drew Brees. Um, I don't know if this guy could be Drew Brees. I don't even know if he can be a starter. But if he can put it all together, he can definitely have a career in the National Football League. And if you just so happen to not be able to start, I mean, there are a lot of good backup quarterbacks in the league that have carved out a niche at being a backup quarterback. Guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick, guys like Chase Daniel, right? Guys like the McCown brothers. They have made they have made a career out of being backup quarterbacks. And when they come into the game, you know, they go out there and they're able to put things together for three or four games until the starter comes back. So I'm not I don't have an issue with Jake Hayner. Um, the sky's the limit for him. Um, if he can put it all together, he probably could be a quality starter. And that's something that you definitely want in case somebody goes down. And then also, if, you know, Jameis decides that he wants to go and try to be a starting quarterback somewhere else next year, you can have somebody like Jake Hayner to to wait behind a guy like Derek Carr. And if something was to happen to Derek, Hayner can come in and give you some level of production. But let's talk a little bit about uh, Kendra Miller, the third round draft pick coming out of TCU, uh, was a battering ram, a guy who wasn't afraid to uh, inflict some punishment and also a guy that wasn't afraid you know, to, to do some things, you know, at TCU that we haven't seen in a long time, probably since LaDainian Tomlinson was there. You know, some of the big runs that he had there, unfortunately, he ended up um, getting hurt uh, in a semifinal game versus the Michigan Wolverines in the college football playoffs. And that is one of the main reasons why Kendra Miller did not take part in rookie minicamp. He was kind of off to the side. But he did talk a little bit about that. He talked about his health and um, how long would it take for us to actually see him on the field? I feel great. You know, I feel great. But, you know, the the doctors, I kind of got to, you know, tone it down and be like, you're not ready for that yet. But uh, that's just the competitiveness in me. And so, yeah. What's kind of the target day? Like training camp maybe? Or? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, expect to be ready by training camp. All right, so Kendra Miller, not too concerned about it. He, he definitely feels like he's on track and he – definitely feels like he's going to be ready for training camp. And that's what we want to see. Uh, also, I encourage everybody to check out uh, NewOrleansSaints.com or you can go to the New Orleans Saints YouTube channel. Shouts out to them uh, for putting together all this stuff. But, you know, Kendra Miller also talked a little bit about, um, you know, um, catching a ball out of backfield, something that he didn't really do out of TCU and the fact that he can do it and he's embracing the, the fact that the New Orleans Saints are going to give him the opportunity to do that. What we've seen from Kendra Miller, the ability to be able to run in between the tackles, uh, you know, always, uh, you know, absorbing the first blow, getting yards after contact. If you can add on the pass catching element, it's going to be dangerous in New Orleans, you know, because this guy can be something uh, extremely special. And I think a lot of draft boards uh, had him ranked really, really high. And I think he would have been even higher if that injury didn't happen uh, in the college football playoff. But he's a guy that can come in, that can give you some level of production. But if you add on pass catching out of the screen game and, and running some of these routes, it's going to be dangerous, man. Uh, speaking of a dangerous man, let's talk about A.T. Perry, a Wake Forest wide receiver, got drafted in the sixth round by the New Orleans Saints, a guy that came in, did uh, did some really good things, uh, you know, um, in college, you know, broke all type of records at Wake Forest. Uh, he's a guy that doesn't shy away from being confident, man. A.T. Perry talked to uh, the media about him being, well, a baller. I'm a playmaker. I'm a baller, you know. I'm, I'm here for a reason. Uh, I feel like God brought me here for a reason. So 
I'm happy with it, and I'm, I'm excited to be here and just show everybody what I can do. So. I really don't understand how A.T. Perry lasted as long as he did in the draft. Uh, you look at some of these eye-popping stats that he had. I mean, I really just don't understand why, you know, he dropped so, you know, I mean, so far in the draft. I mean, you look at the numbers, you know, you look at the number of touchdowns, you look at the fact that he was almost an unstoppable force at Wake Forest. Uh, but I, I think Saints fans are excited about him because, you know, there's a level of concern about Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas has not played – in two and a half years, a, a, a complete season in two and a half years. And when you have a guy that's kind of similar in the skill set, you're kind of relying on him to possibly be able to fill that void in case something was to happen to Michael Thomas. Now, A.T. Perry did some good things at minicamp, according to some of the people that I talked to that were down there, shots out to the Saints media. You know, he did some some good things, but he also had like some some growing pains, which is understandable at the time. You know, you're a rookie. I'm pretty sure you're nervous. This is the first time you put on the black and gold. You, you know, you put on your your gold helmet. I mean, the, the fact that you're walking out to the practice field as a professional. Uh, this is a moment that you've been waiting for your entire life. And finally, you get this opportunity to go out there and show the world what you can actually do. It can it can be a little bit nerve wracking. So. I don't expect A.T. Perry to be a guy that we're just looking at, like, why the Saints drafted him. I think that as as time goes on, I think that he's going to build up confidence. I, I think that he's going to be a guy that can come in, uh, that can give you some level of production. Uh, I still feel like he's going to have to climb the ranks. I expect Olave to get a lot better. I expect for Shahid to get a lot better. I'm not expecting Michael Thomas uh, to be dealing with some of the things that he's been dealing with over two and a half years. And you have some guys that you can compete with, you know, guys like uh, Kurt Merritt, Dijon Dixon, uh, Quan Baker, some uh, uh, Trey Quan Smith. These are the guys that he's going to have to compete with to maybe get some playing time. So hopefully, um, you know, A.T. Perry can go out there and, and show people what he can actually do. And if he can put it all together, I can see him slowly uh, climbing up the depth charts uh, in no time. But those are a few guys that actually spoke to the media. There are several more. Uh, make sure you go to the YouTube channel of the New Orleans Saints if you want to check out more of the videos. Brian Brissy, he talked to the media, of course, but it was it was kind of like just a minute long. And it was, you know, with all due respect, it was kind of basically just basic stuff that we already know, learning the playbook. Wasn't too much that was in depth. It, not too many questions that was really asked about him as a person versus some of these other guys that may be dealing with some things. Brian Brissy, I think he he feels very, very confident about uh, what he is and who he is as a player. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can actually do. Uh, anybody that's been following Brian Brissy's story, um, the fact that he lost his 15-year-old sister, um, him dealing with some of the injuries with his ACL, uh, it's not hard to be able to want to root for a guy like this. And, um, you know, the fact that we know that he has a high motor and the energy that comes with him should be a very, very dangerous man. I, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do uh, as time go on and also being able to get to know him as he as he starts to develop into the pro that we know he can be um, later on in the show once again we're going to have a uh, college football nfl analyst mike detailing on the show he'll be here later on to talk to us a little bit about Saints football also some of these rookies uh, anybody that knows mike detailing know he's a, a really good storyteller one of my favorite people to interview um, no doubt about it Always comes in um, very, very candid with his time and uh, looking forward to speaking with him about what the Saints can do uh, in 2023.
But in the meantime, I'm going to answer some of your questions and, and read some of your comments. Uh, we're going to go ahead and we'll start with uh, we'll start with uh, Mr. Hudat all day. 504 says, I hope Hayner uh, is the gym like how Purdy was for the Niners. I most definitely don't wish injury on anyone, but I just hope he's one of those ones. Well, look, I think that he he has really good qualities. I often say that guys that come into the league that come in, have high completion percentage, high football IQ, they, they have a chance to really uh, make a football team. They have a chance to go out there to possibly start. I don't know about starting every game or being all pro or being an MVP candidate, but you still have an opportunity to go out there and shine and do some of the things that you need to do in order for you to play consistently. Jake Hayner, he checks all those boxes, but I don't want people to fall into the trap of wanting him to do well because of his measurables and his comparisons to Drew Brees. I mean, it's just two different people that we're talking about here. Now, does he have the qualities to be a, a solid quarterback? Yes. Great quarterback? I don't know about that, right? But all in all, he plays for the New Orleans Saints, which is our favorite team, which is the team that I cover. We want him to do well, right? And you definitely want him to do well because you know for a fact more than likely that Jameis Winston is not going to be here next year uh, because Jameis Winston believes that he does not need to be a backup quarterback. And if you're going to lose a guy like Jameis, you want to replace him with somebody that you can count on that's a solid quarterback. Maybe Jake Hayner is that guy, but I'm interested to see. I mean, the, the qualities that come with him, you know, I think that it's, it's a recipe for success if something was to happen to your starting quarterback. I'm not going to say it's the recipe for success. Oh, he comes in, he dominates. Uh, it's a it's a um, Russell Wilson, Matt Flynn type story or something. No, I don't I don't see that. But if something was to happen to Derek Carr, I'm knocking on wood when I say this. You can have a guy like Jake Hayner come in and maybe you can win some football games, come up with an offensive package that can get him, uh, you know, winning some game for you if something was to happen to Derek Carr. So there you go. Uh, he's a stud of a receiver, says John. Yeah, he is a stud of a receiver. I, I like his. I like his possession skills. Uh, he's not one of those guys that's just going to, you know, burn you, you know, with, with his speed. He's a solid wide receiver. He's fundamentally sound. Like, and there's nothing wrong with that. I know we want the burners. We want the Hollywood Browns. We want the Zay Flowers. We want those guys that can flash, run four two four three. you know, get us all excited and stuff like that. And that's cool. But the fundamentally sound wide receivers are the ones that I really, truly respect because, to me, you got to be smarter. <laughs> than, than you know, some of those uh, flashier receivers. Because if you're not that fast, right, you're not the fastest person. You can't take the top off the defense. You're not going to burn a cornerback. You're not going to get behind them. You, you got to be able to use, like, some of your skills. You got to use your footwork. You got to use your hands. You got to use your body. You got to use all those things in order for you to be able to win those matchups. That's why when people talk about Michael Thomas and they say, oh, Michael Thomas, he only run this, that, and the third, you got to think about Michael Thomas, not the fastest wide receiver in the world, but if you throw the ball in the vicinity, he's catching it. And he's going up against guys that are faster than him, probably got a better vertical leap than he does, but he still manages to win those matchups. And how does that happen? It happens because the way that you train, the way that you develop yourself, the, the fact that you understand your limitations. So I don't, I don't think people fully understand. Like when you have a fundamentally sound wide receiver that's not as fast as others, and you're seeing them out there getting it, 
that's a testament to how great they are. Seriously. Because it, it is extremely hard to go out there when you're not the fastest guy in the world and win your matchups over and over and over again. So I'm I'm looking at A.T. Perry. He he checks all the boxes. Um, I, I still, you know, feel like he needs to work a little bit on some of that footwork. But when you throw the ball in his vicinity, he's going to catch it. Uh, but um, I want to introduce our guests at this time. Uh, you can ch uh, check them out on WWL along with Bobby A. Bear, a uh, guy who's been on the show um, quite a few times. One of the best storytellers uh, that I know and uh, very knowledgeable football. Uh, one of my favorite people to talk to. I'm talking about Mr. Mike Dettier. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you, TJ. Hey, I'm not just saying that because you're here. I really mean it. <laughs> I, pre I appreciate it. I really do. Yeah, th thank you so much for your time. Um, we were talking a little bit about rookie uh, minicamp. Uh, the New Orleans Saints uh, kicked off uh, you know, this past weekend. Uh, we were talking a little bit about um, A.T. Perry. You know, the Saints moved up in a draft. Uh, they even moved Adam Troutman to get him to move up um, to get this Wake Forest wide receiver. Mike, uh, in your opinion, uh, what do you think about A.T. Perry? Uh, do you think that he has the capability to possibly fill a void if something was to happen to a player like Michael Thomas? Well, he's, uh, he's a big receiver. Mm -hmm. And the one thing you see on film, because uh, I, I get this time of year you looking for context, okay? Mm -hmm. but um, you can't tell a heck of a lot off of one mini camp. That's right. a walkthrough with pajamas and slippers. Boy, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I get it. You need right. content today, but um, with AT, what you see is a lengthy receiver. He has excelled in going up and making contested catches. Mm -hmm. He's not the fastest guy around, but he does have a little burst toward the end of that route, and he goes up and makes a play. The one thing, and listen, I've seen it with other receivers. Mm -hmm. He's he's almost good for one drop early in the game. Mm. If you watched him at Wake Forest, which I have virtually every game, mm. he'll have an easy drop. It's almost like, okay, I got to get it out of my system early. <laughs> okay? And, and so he'll maybe misread a, a route or mm -hmm. tries to run with it a little bit before he makes the, the catch. Mm -hmm. But normally he's a real sure-handed guy. He'll go up and make that grab. And um, like every college wideout, there's some uh, footwork and design issues as a route runner that you have to improve on. Right. You can be a good route runner in college, but you're only doing what they ask you to do for their system. Now you're in the NFL. They're asking you to do something else. Hmm. So you have to adjust there. I like him as a prospect. And, again, his size, he is normally sure-handed. And the, the other part is he can make a play with arms and hands around him, which I really like, right. especially red zone, short yardage uh, situations where when you get in that red zone, man, everything is so condensed right. that you're trying to get a, a matchup there that's favorable to you. So uh, uh, I'm anxious to watch him and really anxious to watch him in the more physical practices 
and in mm. games. Right. Yeah, I, I, I think that um, I, I watched him at Wake Forest like quite a bit, you know, a couple of games. And I mean, he definitely stands out and I definitely agree with you, you know, when it comes to like his uh, his possession skills, especially like in the red zone. I think that's something that the Saints need, uh, you know, especially like when when Michael Thomas went down. I mean, that, that was a huge void uh, that he, he he had, you know, that they had, you know, because they didn't have that one guy that can actually win it. Like you look at the the first game of the season last season versus the Atlanta Falcons. Jameis Winston was basically just throwing the ball up and just hoping Michael Thomas catches it. And, you know, Michael Thomas came down with it. When he left, it, it was hard for the Saints to be able to convert in the red zone because they didn't have that receiver. So hopefully a guy like A.T. Perry can come in, you know, if something was to happen to Mike T, that he can actually step in. And also, even if Michael Thomas is there, he can also provide, uh, you know, that that red zone threat still. You know, I, I want to see what he can actually do all around. I, I still feel like he's a work in progress nonetheless. Uh, but let, let's talk about the first uh, pick that the Saints uh, selected in the first round, Ryan Bercy. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I had opportunity to check uh, you all out during, um, during your draft coverage. And uh, I know there was a, a little bit of uh, back and forth in the room about uh, Brian Bercy as a defensive tackle. Uh, Mike, in your opinion, uh, did the Saints get better uh, <laughs> uh, at the interior with the drafting of Brian Bercy? Okay, with Brian it's obvious you got a really big defensive tackle. Mm. He's athletic. He runs the field extremely well, east-west, and he's got some power skills. Mm. Here's the negative. And this is not his fault, but it's what he was asked to do at Clemson. He was always slanted or shaded one side or another, and they moved him around constantly. Okay, you're not doing that in the NFL. Okay, you're not sort of cocked one way and cocked the other way and then moved around. Hmm. So there is some technique work that he's going to have to get much better at. Right. You were only doing what Clemson wanted you to do. Secondly, um, it's just something I've done this 37 years. And um, (laughs) Greg Cosell always tells me, Mike, you a stickler for a couple of things. And this is one of them. And he said, I really can't argue a high-cut defensive tackle. Hmm. He's got a lot of legs on him. Yeah. A lot, which means you have to be protective of that, and also you have to learn how to play with a little lower base and come off the line of scrimmage a little lower. Little man wins. Yeah. People, oh, uh, I don't like a 6-1 defensive tackle. Hey, give me a talented one every day. You know why? <laughs> that six foot three, six foot four center guard he got trouble getting under a six foot one, six two guy. Right. So for Brian, the biggest challenge is going to be for him to learn how to play with a lower base and get off the line of scrimmage lower. Because if not, they're going to take you out. Hmm. Um, Pete Jenkins, who I've worked with for a long time, right. and he's coached and mentored. Good lord, I think it's like sixty. All-American defensive lineman. He coached in the NFL with uh, Andy Reid in Philly. He always thinks that a high-cut defensive tackle is more susceptible to injury, leg-wise, shoulder-wise. Because you know what? They can sort of turn you and then twist you, and you fall on your shoulder, or they sort of take you out lower body-wise. He might be right on that. 
And Brian's had, guess what? Knee and shoulder injuries. Yeah. So for Brian, it's not the athleticism. It's sort of how he's built. Yeah. He's going to have now. Are there exceptions to the rule? Always is. Always an exception to the rule. Right. I've been around six foot five defensive tackles, but they're not high cut. Yep. I mean, they huge from the waist up, not from the waist down. Right. So um, Chris Jones is one of them. I got to talk to Chris about this. Chris came out of Mississippi State. Right. And um, now he's an unbelievable player with Kansas City Chiefs. You look at Chris. Chris is as high cut a defensive lineman as you'll see. Yeah. But he told me it took me two years. Two years to learn how to play this game being able to get off that line and not have these experienced offensive linemen sort of move you around. Yeah. The other guy is DeForest Buckner from Oregon, who was a first-round pick of the uh, San Francisco 49ers. They didn't want to pay him, so he gets traded for a first-round pick to the coach. He's right. almost 6'7". Hmm. So he told me that he developed this crab technique. And if you watch him, he gets down real low, almost like, you know how a crab runs? Mm -hmm. He gets down real low because yeah. he said, man, when I get out of that stance, they they would tag me because he's got so much legs. Yeah, Those guys have defeated it, but a lot of people, oh, what about Jeffrey Simmons or Fletcher Cox? Look at those guys, how they built. They all upper body guys. Man, yeah. and then that way, when I get off that line of scrimmage, I got you, and then I can swing you. Mm -hmm. But if you all legs is different. So from a technique standpoint, and Bobby and I had had that talk long before, you know, they got picked. Uh, <laughs> so he he understood that. And I knew a couple of, of, of Brian's coaches at Clemson and right. they, they brought it out also that that's going to be a learning process for him as a player. I had right. him ranked 31st. So I thought he'd get into round one, and it was almost 31st uh, <laughs> into that. <clears throat> but there's some technical skills here. If you thinking he's just going to come in and make an immediate impact, that's not the case. Yeah. That, that's a little bit of a learning curve, TJ, with that. And some of it is not his fault, mm -hmm. okay? Because, okay, only thing I can do as a college player is do what the coaches and the scheme wants me to do. Right. That's the only thing I can do. I, yep. I can't play freelance, okay? And so uh, with Brian, it's a learning curve that he's going to have to get through. Uh, but I do believe in that Pete Jenkins line that you are susceptible more to injuries because of the way you are built. And I just remember in talking to Chris, they have a seminar uh, every year in Dallas where Jenkins will bring, I don't know, it's over 100 defensive linemen there. And he brought up to me, it was toward the end of his second year before it finally started to click for him because he said, you know, I was getting off that line real high, and, man, those guys were moving me. You know, because <laughs> you got momentum, and, and you know, you high cut. And right. so it's not like I can jam him today and, and move people out of the way. So it's a little bit of a technical thing with, with Brzee, I think he's got a chance to be a good player. But I'll be honest with you. I think he may be better off at end than at tackle. Really? Because I love huh. a lengthy, uh, leggy defensive end. Yeah. Where your long legs come into play is me getting around that offensive tackle who's trying yeah. to square up on me. 
And if man, if I got the wheels, I can get around you or cut you inside. So it'll be interesting to see kind of where he lines up. But I'm willing to tell you, I bet the Saints put him not directly all the time at defensive tackle. They put him a little bit outside. Mm. Yeah, that'll be a, that'll be interesting to see. I mean, I seen like a couple plays uh, at Clemson. You know, they did put him on the outside. Yes. You know what I mean, and he was he was very disruptive. So that definitely might be a part of the game plan. But Mike, I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. Um, you you talk about Brian Bercy, uh coming off shoulder and knee injury. Um, the Saints a couple of years ago drafted Peyton Turner, coming uh, dealt with some uh, ACL injuries. Same thing with Davenport. Is that a level of concern? Should that be a level of concern? You know, the fact that the New Orleans Saints, they, they've been trying to find somebody to be opposite of uh, Cam Jordan, to be the, you know, the, the Robert Mattis to his Dwight Freeney, so to speak. Is that a level of concern? You know, drafting guys who are pretty good, athletic, but have that history of being injured from time to time. Listen, it's tough to find the pristine player. All right. Everybody wants that guy who's never hurt. What? Uh, find me that dude. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is a collision sport. Right. Okay. If you just played high school football or you played in your backyard, you might mm -hmm. not get it. Right. But you play in major college football, you're gonna have you're gonna have some time that you're gonna be down with an injury. Yeah. For that, I gotta rely on my medical staff. They mm -hmm. have to tell me, is this injury gonna show up again and again and again? Yeah. Or is he passing a physical? And how did he get hurt? Does he have a past history of being down for a long period of time? Yeah. Brian went through his entire high school career, didn't get hurt. Yeah. Okay. But then, you know, he hurts the knee, has off-season surgery on his shoulder. Um, he went through a difficult time, certainly with his sister. And yeah. you can see how that can distract someone. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you mentally are going to be distracted. I, I don't care who you are. You can say, oh, it would never distract me. Okay, you lying. I put you on a lie detector machine. Right. You busting the circuits out. So <laughs> it, it does It does matter. Right. Is it a concern for me? Yes. Always is. But yeah. it's the type injury that you have, and do you have a long history of it? And then when you come back, if it's a four or six week injury, does it take you eight to ten weeks to come back? Yeah, we've seen that. That I'm telling you, TJ, that bothers me more than anything. Yeah, okay, me too. I'm supposed to be out four weeks, now it takes him seven weeks. Mm -hmm. But if we live in a society today, they always won't blame it on the medical staff. Oh, it's the <laughs> doctor, it's the trainer. No, it's you. Okay, <laughs> are you mentally and physically tough enough to play through that? Right. Now, today, a lot of times you're being told as a professional athlete, hey, you're not 100%. Don't go out there and play. That's one of the biggest changes that's happened with me, you know, in the last over 30 years. You got a lot of players back then. They'd have played with any type of injury. Hey, I want to yeah. get a deal. Right. But they're being told, don't go back unless you're 100% healthy, which yeah. sometimes is difficult because you, after the first practice, you ain't never hundred percent healthy. Yeah, never. that's true. That's true. You know, I was thinking about when you, you mentioned players playing through anything. Just remind me of that uh, uh Ronnie Lott. You know, like Ronnie Lott goes to the locker room and tells him to amputate his finger so he can get back into the game. <laughs> but you know, it was it was a level of passion back then. Guys, you know, willing to 
you know, so, battle so through it. Have, we have to adjust. <laughs> if you're a casual football fan, TJ, right. or if you covering in the media, that it is a different world today. Right. Uh, being able to come back. But that for me is always something that's always sort of in the back of my mind mm -hmm. of a player who consistently, if it's four weeks, five weeks, and then it becomes seven, eight weeks, and the eight weeks become 10 weeks. Yeah. That, that is that is concerning. You know, like you want to see those players on the field. Like you want them to be healthy, of course. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, you want them to be available. And, and I think sometimes, you know, they, they try to make sure they're not playing through anything. Oh, I got to wait for my body to be 100%. Like, but like you alluded to, probably not going to happen. You know, it, it, you're playing football. You're playing a contact sport. You're never going to feel 100%. You know, I mean, that's, that's just the way that it goes. You will hope that, uh, you know, they, they think about that and be able to battle through it. But uh, hopefully we don't have these levels of concern uh, going into 2023. Uh, but let, let's talk about um, Isaiah Fowski, um, the uh, the edge rusher out of Notre Dame. A little bit of a different type of uh, defensive end than I've seen in years past when it comes to the Saints. It seems like, you know, the Saints, you know, they go after those guys that are, you know, long wingspan, tall guys like the Davenports, like the Turners. Uh, he, he's more of like a hybrid guy, right? He, he's the guy that can fly around. He's the guy that can force the fumble. He's the guy that can track down uh, some of these athletic quarterbacks, something that the Saints have had issues uh, in the past doing. Uh, when you look at Fosky and you look at the tape, what does the tape tell you about this guy? And what type of player do the New Orleans Saints have in Fosky? Well, with him, he's played all over. Mm -hmm. uh, he's played as a 4-3 defensive end. <clears throat> he's actually played as a 4-3 stand-up defensive end. He's played as a 3-4 outside linebacker standing mm -hmm. up. Uh, he runs the field extremely well. He's got a good, what I what I call a press and then counter. You know, when the offensive tackle's coming at him, that ability to press that, that first arm out and then swing around him, he does that really well. Yeah, he does. Great instincts to the football. He can run the field well. <clears throat> Thing that sticks out to me. Well, two things other than his athleticism and his want to. He got a lot of want to. He doesn't yeah. give a play. Is that he played on a defense that did not have one other defensive player picked in this draft class. Wow. Not one. Wow. Zero. And secondly, <laughs> if I ask even a really um, guy that keeps up with college football, name me another player at Notre Dame. <laughs> most people would say uh let me think about that okay name me another defensive player at notre dame uh so he's the only one on the defensive side that was drafted mm. most people couldn't tell you the second player every time i played against notre dame if i'm an offensive coach you know what that guy i gotta make sure he's blocked because i know foster <laughs> makes the play it doesn't hey. fits as a pass rusher or his plays against the run. Mm. So I, I like him, and I think he could be an immediate impact player in a position that they sort of created last year with Caden Ellis. Right. That uh, Ryan was looking for to get a better pass rush early on in the season, and they mm. put Caden outside. 
And he excelled in that. Right. All I know is Foskey's a faster player than than Caden, and he's quicker. Yeah. Fill that role, and also I can move him around. If I'm playing Notre Dame, if I and I'll give Marcus Freeman great credit here. Mm-hmm. He knew if I just put him at right defensive end or left defensive end, man, I'm gonna figure out a way to block him. I don't mm-hmm. care if I got a combo block him or not. I'm gonna figure it out. But he kept moving him, so you didn't mm-hmm. really know is mm-hmm. that I can move him around, especially in obvious pass rush situations where he can really help me right. to get a pass rush, and he runs the field well. Yeah. And does he physically needs to get stronger? Yeah, but that sometimes. That's going to come with maturity as you get a little bit older and work with the weights a lot more. Mm. But, man, he's a good player. TJ, yeah. a really good player. And he went a little bit earlier than I thought because I had him probably, I think it was five picks later. But it was mm. in that range. Right. And I knew that having watched him, that guy can play. No, because, yep. you know, when you're watching Notre Dame defensively, He's the guy making plays, play in, play out, game in, game out. And my focus was to block him. And he was still making plays. Yep. Yep. That's a plus. Like when when you know the game plan is to try to neutralize a guy and you still can't do it, uh, that's a testament to that that guy's greatness and and how good that that player is. You know, I I think about like his his ability to force fumbles. He had six forced fumbles. I, I was saying it kind of remind me of like with DeMarcus Ware. Like DeMarcus Ware didn't always get the quarterback on the ground, but he had this knack about sticking his arm out and knocking the ball out of, of the quarterback's hands. And he he made like a career out of that. And it kind of just remind it kind of reminds me of that. Now DeMarcus Ware to me well, was a little bit stronger, but I I, I do see some similar uh, th- things that Foskey does that DeMarcus Ware does. Not not necessarily all the things, but that's that's one thing in particular. I I, I know that Demarcus Ware would do, and that uh was always a pain. Like you know, like you, you think that you got him, and all of a sudden he just sticks his arm out and it's a forced fumble. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I like that about Fosky. Yeah, one of the things like when we have our camps uh, here, if it's at Louisiana Line Camp or if it's the um, kind of the Dallas deal where they're teaching uh, veteran defensive linemen. One of the things is being uh-huh. taught is trying to figure out when that quarterback is going back to throw, mm-hmm. the time it that you, you know, because some of these guys, man, they got a grip on the ball, but yeah. it's to try to hit them here where the ball comes out. And so that's being taught today. Right. And you see with Foskey, he's done a good job with that. The other thing that's being taught too today is. If a defensive tackle, okay, he kind of gets penetration and he kind of stands up that quarterback. Okay, your first thought is what? I got to get away from that guy? Mm-hmm. I slap at the ball. Right. Good point. So today, people don't realize the technical part of the game that a lot of yep. these guys work on so much. And I remember uh, the first guy that really actually came up with that, and he actually – Learned it from a very, very young Pete Jenkins helping the Giants. Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence, (laughs) sometimes, okay, he wanted to kind of demolish you. But on other times, he wanted to force that ball out of your hands. Before, you just wanted to make the sack or make the tackle. 
LT was different. His deal was, man, if I can get that turnover, I can really help my offense out. And then yeah. Ricky Jackson sort of learned a little bit of that from LT. And yeah. Rick, if you look at Ricky's stats, when he retired, he had more forced fumbles than anybody in the history of the National Football League. At wow. that, and LT was right there. So <laughs> it is all about trying to create a turnover. But today, it's actually being taught about trying to disrupt the throw and trying to get into here. Because you know what? If you hit them high, that flag's coming out. But if there's nothing about hitting them in the arm. Right. Okay. Brock Purdy got hurt with that situation. And, you know, okay, I feel bad for Brock, but it's part of the game. Yep. Okay. You can't legislate where you're hitting them in the arms and hands. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, too, is that stand-up deal where, okay, I'm moving back or I'm standing up and I'm trying to get the ball out. And, okay, my concentration is just to get it out. And that defensive guy comes in and he pops it out of there. So there is a lot of technical part to that. Foskey, um, I'm not saying he's going to be a starter right away, but he will contribute quite a bit in the role Caden Ellis played and in also certain down and distance situations as a pass rusher. And I want that, you know, uh, breaks the football pipe. That's the way I look at it. Pressure breaks the pipe. And if you can get it, uh, you can get it. And I think Foskey is going to have a pretty quick impact uh, in this on this team in filling a couple different roles. Yeah. Um, and they and they need it. Uh, you know, the fact that, you know, he is so versatile. I think that that indeed is a plus. And, you know, Mike, you you mentioned him not being a starter right away. I mean, there's there's several people that I've spoken with that, that agree with that, you know, but doesn't mean that, you know, that you're not a starter. doesn't mean you can't make an impact. So I think that he, he definitely can. And I'm that out of all the players that the Saints drafted, to be honest, this is the guy that I'm looking forward to seeing the most. Because, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of different. It's a kind of a different feel than what the Saints are, are normally going after. So I, I want to see uh, how he's going to be able to uh, contribute to the defense and what type of impact he's going to have. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on. Let's talk about the running back position. Uh, the Saints went from, like, last year, you basically had Alvin Kamara and everybody else. Like, no disrespect to Mark Ingram, but he wasn't the Mark Ingram that we all fell in love with. Uh, David Johnson was uh, was here. Yeah, you know, Benjamin, Latavius Murray. It, it was a revolving door a little bit, and uh, it, it involved a lot of injuries. But now you have the New Orleans Saints. They seem like they're really focused on the running back position in this, this offseason. You got Alvin Kamara, of course, but you also added Jamal Williams from uh, the Detroit Lions who led the NFL in rushing touchdowns. And you also have Kendra Miller, uh, the, the running back out of TCU, who ran really hard, had a really good solid season. Unfortunately, he got hurt in that college football semifinal game versus Michigan, couldn't play in the national championship. But he does come with a lot of confidence. So he, he, he basically said he's not coming here to be a number two. He wants to be a number one. Uh, some people kind of, you know, shrugged it off, but it shows the confidence that he has. Uh, Mike, when you look at Kendra Miller and his body of work, um, what do you think he, he brings to the New Orleans Saints? And also, um, I, I didn't see many uh, pass catching, uh, much pass catching in college. Can he add that to his game possibly? Yeah, this was during the summer. Uh, I know Sonny pretty well, Sonny Dykes. Mm-hmm. Sonny started his head coaching career at Louisiana Tech. Right. So, 
Uh, we've sort of kept in touch. And when Zach Evans left, transfer portal, go to Ole Miss, they get, hey, hey, coach, what you got? And he said, Mike, I got a guy here. He doesn't have a lot of mileage on him, but he's a really good bat. And it's Kendra Miller. <laughs> that he, He's going to have to carry us sometimes this year, you know, because right. they, they had a little bit of an injury issue and uncertainty at quarterback. Now, it's hard to believe because Max Duggan played so well, but that wasn't – you didn't know about Max Duggan entering the season. He wasn't supposed yeah. to be the guy, you know, but mm. an injury opened the door for him. And what you see right. with – is a very physical runner. I would my comp for him would be Aaron Jones with the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, he's sort of built exactly like Aaron, and very physical guy. He's got a really big upper body, so he can fight through. But he turns power into speed. Mm. In essence, he gets out into the open field. Man, that power turns into speed, and he's made a ton of big runs. And he yeah. actually, as Sonny said, he carried this team at different times last year for TCU, and they were certainly different without it. Um, listen, I'm not saying that they could have made it competitive against Georgia. I don't think anybody could have. That, mm -hmm. that uh, Georgia was just so good. But Kendra was a big part of their offense. Also the fact, too, he didn't catch a lot of passes. That wasn't where the offense was designed. But when right. he did, he caught it out front. Hey, I want to see that. I want to see you catch it with this. Not mm -hmm. up against here, here. Right. And Andrew could catch the ball. Uh, so he's got power. He turns power into speed. He's He does a solid job as a pass protector, too, which is yeah. important. I don't want my quarterback getting demolished because he missed the block. Yeah. Uh, he plays with a lot of confidence. Okay. This is a good and a bad part of him. And it's all the same part. Mm. He refuses to go down. He had six <laughs> fumbles last year. Six. Right. Okay. So what that's telling me is, you know, he's fighting, he's fighting. I want to get an extra couple yards out of it. And somebody mm -hmm. comes and what we talked about with Foskey from behind and they rip it out. Yeah. And so he's got to be careful that sometimes, okay, fight to fight another day. You can't let that ball get, get ripped out of you. But that's really the only negative with him other than he had the MCL surgery. Because I think had that surgery not happened, he would have been picked higher. Yeah, I agree. He would have been picked higher. But you didn't know exactly when. And he was limited in the uh, little OTAs or whatever for the rookies. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, he was out there running. Right. And, but did tell us when he got selected that he was starting to run and that he was really close. So um, he's a very talented runner, a physical runner. And if you've watched Aaron Jones with the Packers, that's what you have with Kendra Miller. He, they almost built the exact same, almost exactly the same. And he catches the ball pretty well. And what you, your point you brought up is true. He didn't catch a lot of passes. Yeah, But when he did, he caught it smooth, and, man, he could whirl around. And that first guy never really tackled him. He yeah. just tried to run over him. And then he trying to run past everybody. So he's <laughs> um, he's the guy I really liked. And, again, had it not been for the MCL injury, the Saints would have never got him in round three. Never. Yeah. 
I, I agree with that. I mean, if you watched him at TCU uh, all last season, uh, you know that there was nothing about his game that would warrant him being a third-round draft pick. I mean, that, no way. Uh, so that MCL injury, you know, did cost him. But it's a it's a fortunate thing for the New Orleans Saints because they have a, a running back that is a quality running back and a guy that can get better uh, as he develops. But, you know, Mike, I think about 2017, you know, when the New Orleans Saints had, um, you know, Mark Ingram in his prime, you had a young Alvin Kamara fresh out of the University of Tennessee, and you had the, the, the veteran, legendary running back Adrian Peterson. And the biggest issue was how do I get all three of these guys on the field? When you look at Kamara, you look at Williams, and now you look at Miller, can the New Orleans Saints get these guys on the field? Can they coexist with this three-headed monster they have in the backfield? I'm never worried about having too much. I'm always worried about <laughs> having not enough. <laughs> uh, man, I, man, if I got too many, man, I, I, I'm right where I want to be. Right. And people don't like to talk about it, but it, it is real. There is an injury factor in this world. Yeah. You're going to get nicked up and you're going to get hurt. Now you're getting hit uh, as a running back. And so that always sort of works itself out. It, mm. it really does. I think back then, Sean really knew how good Kamara was. Yeah. But he had made some promises to Adrian that, hey, listen, you're going to be a big part of our offense. And, and that didn't work because Kamara came to the scene so fast. So yeah. I think that was more the issue than trying to figure out how the three of them would work together. And you saw Adrian was not quite the same Adrian Peterson. Okay, right. And we saw it when he went somewhere else. No, I'm never worried about not having uh, all that talent. I'm never worried about that. I'm always worried about, it, you know, if I don't have enough or yeah. the injury factor. Because somewhere down the line, and with the Saints, the most likely suspension of Camaro, now you don't have that issue. Most likely, you know, the first part of the season. And if you're going to get suspended, suspend me early. I, I, <laughs> I want him for late in the year. I, I don't. I don't want that where he plays six or eight games and then they come in with the suspension. If you're going to suspend him, do it early and get it over with, you know, so that way I can deal with it and I deal with a suspension like I would deal with an injury. Hmm. Okay? The, the exact same way. There's nothing I can do about it if I'm a team. Nothing I can do about it. So having a Jamal Williams who is used to being part of a two – kind of tone deal yeah. because look back at green bay he split time with aaron jones when you look back at detroit he split time with deandre swift yep used to that that's fine yeah and so for me that that that's that's a minor issue and it, i say minor it's not even that uh, <laughs> you know because i know that injuries and things out of my control will happen and and i need all three yeah. And the I mean, need yeah. to play the ball better. It, if there's yes. anything that bothers <laughs> me today is the fact you couldn't run it last year when you needed to and you had to. And that goes back to offensive line play and you didn't have that second option at running back. You really yeah. Alvin, okay, but Alvin can't run if you if he can take a team pitcher 
of the other team's defense coming at him. Right. We're getting no push up front. People don't want to talk about it. Oh, we got a first round pick here. We got a first round pick there. You do, but did they play like a top unit with a yep. first pick? Uh, no, I think last year, Ramchak has been, always been a really good player. Mm-hmm. But last year, he wasn't as good as we've seen him in other years. Yep. He was not. Uh, Andrews, Pete, you know he's going to get hurt somewhere down the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Eric McCoy. I think he's a good center in this league. And Cesar Ruiz, was he better? Yeah, but how much better? And then the other tackle, you know, you're playing with James Hurst or you're playing with Trevor, and then Trevor gets hurt. So you got to go with Hurst, and you got injuries every year. Yep. The most important pick in this draft class may well be Nick Saldaveri. Yep. And why? Yep. He may get an early call. Hey, kid, you got to get in there. Um, <laughs> and I, I got to see him play a lot at Old Dominion. Mm-hmm. He was 73rd on my draft board. Yeah. So I was surprised round three ends, he's still there. And so Deuce and I were talking about it that, you know, name a guy there. And I was like, man, Saul DeVere from Old Dominion. Well, sure enough, the same straight up. And they picked Nick with the first pick in round four. Mm -hmm. Played mostly right tackle. He played, he started one game at right guard, but I think he's better off kicked inside. And at the right guard spot, what I like to see in alignment is his ability to bend at the, at the knees, not right. at the body balance, control, square, hand placement. Now, where he's going to have to get better is hand placement as a pass protector because he ain't never seen guys like he's going to see rushing a quarterback in that this level. He's never played against guys like that. Yeah, But as a run blocker, you see his physicality. You see his ability to leverage, get low, move people off the line of scrimmage, gets a nice push uh, off the snap. And I got a feeling he's going to play early, one way or another, (laughs) because of either injury or something's going to happen. You're going to have to play, Nick. The funny thing is he goes to the senior bowl, and Jim Nagy tells me the story goes to the senior bowl. He had played right tackle, so he practiced the first day at right tackle. Then they moved him to guard. They wanted to show everybody his versatility. He got his hand up in the air. Hey, I want to play some center. <laughs> now he had never played center in his life. Never. No. And so they put him at center. You know what? He took to it really well. Yeah. But it's different. Uh, it's really different playing center than playing guard and tackle. So you got some versatility. You got some want to. He's a very focused young man. And the NFL will not overwhelm him. Will yeah. not. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good that's a good thing when you have an offensive lineman that is that versatile. And like, like you say, if, if you've been looking at the New Orleans Saints throughout the last couple of years, I mean, the injuries have come on the offensive line. I mean, so add a guy like Saldaveri in here, you know, I think that it, it would be a great fit. And like you say, he's a very smart player. And I do think that, you know, it, it's, a, it's an upgrade. I, I think that um, you look at with Andrews Pete, they, yeah, he plays from time to time, but you know he's going to miss at least six games, you know. So to have, have a young guy that can come in, that can plug and play, and that, that you know that can and go in there and, and give you, uh, you know, some, some production is a, is a plus. 
You know, um, I, I do I do uh want to ask you about uh <laughs> uh Jake Hayden uh, uh out of uh Fresno State. You know, he Hayner uh, is a guy who had 72 can uh, uh 72% completion percentage. He had 20 touchdowns, three picks last year. You know, people look at his size. I was I was talking about this before you, you got on. People talk about his size, they talk about his his accuracy, and they're comparing him to Drew Brees. Um what are your thoughts on Hayner? Um, I, he's a guy, once again, I mean, he he can put the ball where he needs to be. But, you know, do you ever – do you look at him as a possible starter? Not not for the Saints, but if you were like a team, like maybe three, four years down the line, do you see Hayner as a starting quarterback? He's got a possibility. He's hmm. got a couple traits I can't teach and no one else can. Yeah. He's accuracy skills. He's he got really good touch on the short intermediate throws of the game. Mm. The other thing is he's a quick processor. Sometimes guys come into this league and they think it's like college football. And man, they <laughs> throw everything at you to confuse you. Right. So got to process information so fast. He's right. got Does he have a super strong arm? No he doesn't. Does his deep ball sort of hang a little bit? Yes. Uh, it's obvious. And when you watch him, the deep ball sort of have a, a little bit of uh, helium in it. It, right. it hangs up there. But he's um, he's a tough competitor. He's very focused. And I just listened to what Jeff Tefford said about him, his coach, who's coached a lot of good quarterbacks in college football. Yep. And talking about I've never seen somebody more driven and more focused. All right. Does he have all the physical tools? No, he doesn't. But you know what? Uh, who was the first pick in the draft? Bryce Young. Okay. How big is Bryce? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Depends on who you talk to, Mike. <laughs> he might be 5'9 to, today. I, I'm as big a Bryce Young fan as that can be. I, right. I, I don't like that he's with the Panthers, but I'm a big Bryce Young <laughs> fan because I know what right. he people oh he's overhyped because he's at Alabama no you don't yeah. understand get it through your head he's not on that Alabama team last year they ain't not going to no sugar bowl they're not winning double digit games mm -hmm. he bailed them out time after time and what happened and the two losses LSU he's watching as Alabama's defense you know they gave up the touchdown and the two-point conversion to LSU right. against Tennessee he was watching as that defense gave up a field goal late uh, for Tennessee to win it. So, yep. okay, I get it. You don't like his size. You don't like Alabama. But you better like the guy because he yep. can make a lot of plays. And yep. he's a very focused guy, just like Hayner. It's quick processing. Both of them, you can tell. They're throwing the ball before the guy gets into and out of a cut and a break. That's yep. totally That's different. Okay, Sean fell in love with Ian in book, okay? And for whatever reasons, <laughs> good or bad. Right. But Ian didn't have that that type sense to get the ball out before the cut and the break. Right. And I think he overprocessed things in his head. I think he saw some things that weren't really there, and he was trying to make a play when there wasn't that play to be made. Mm. Man, you watch Hayner. He got kind of screwed at, at Washington because he should have been the starter there. And a yeah. lot of people who covered Washington back then 
thought, and I'm talking about the Washington Huskies, right? thought that he should have been the starter instead of Jake Brown. But the coaching staff decided to go oh. with Jake. Okay, and he got, I understand it, I'm out of here. That's how y'all going to do me, I'm out. Now, yeah. he left before the transfer portal stuff got involved. He had to sit <laughs> out of here to go to yeah. Fresno State. Hmm. And so I think, you know, sometimes God puts you in the right place. Yep. He put him there with Jeff Tedford, who's one of the best quarterback coaches in college football. You know, he's no young pop. You know, Jeff been doing this longer than me. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so uh, he, I, I think it's a good pick. And I think you're going to see very quickly with him how he handles a team. He is the general out on the field. He takes charge and he knows it. He, he's a gym rat. He loves the game. And so can he be a starter one day? We'll see. But I, I will say this. I think he'll be a really good backup. Yeah. I think he'll be a good backup. And those numbers don't lie. Tell, again, I'll throw it just like I threw it about Foskey. Tell me another player from Fresno State. Mm, I okay. can't you. <laughs> No, he's carting that team on his back. Yep. And he's making it work. And even when he gets off the bad starts, uh, if you look back at the championship game, man, for a half, he was struggling. Right. You know, he was a little off on his throws. He had a couple drops. They couldn't move the ball well. They got a lot of pressure on him. All of a sudden, the second half, bang, bang, it clicked. And, and man, Jake was – and he got hot. And, you <laughs> that, man, they were like, uh-oh, here we go again. Here we go. Because, yeah. boy, when he gets in that groove, he can throw it well. So you got to look past the fact that he's probably – less than six foot tall. He's probably more 5'11 and three quarters, somewhere in that range. Yeah. But I can't do any, I can't put him on a rack and stretch him, but, <laughs> uh, and I can't teach him to be accurate. I can't teach him to set his feet. And that's the one thing I watch with quarterbacks today, how they can set their feet and throw on balance. Mm. You got guys that were picked in the first and second round. They never set their feet and throw on balance. Never. Right. And man, God blessed him with so much talent. He didn't have to. He was <laughs> he was tippy toe throwing, and he's up on his uh, on his toes throwing. The ball sailing 65, 70 yards downfield. Come on, ain't a lot of men in this world can do that. Right. But it does affect your accuracy. But he knows how to play to his strength, TJ. And I think that part, uh, he understands his strong points and his limitations. And he finds that working spot. Yeah. He finds it. Yeah. I, I like what I see in him. You know, I, I think he has like some really good qualities. Like I said, the jury is out if he ever is going to be a starting quarterback, but I definitely can see him, you know, carving out a niche, being a backup quarterback. I, 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 and I, I mentioned this too. Like, you know, people will look at the backup quarterbacks, but you got some backup quarterbacks that have made a career out of doing that coming into the game. And, and providing a spark. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick is one of them. Think about the McCown brothers. So you think about Chase Daniel. You think about, you know, some of these other backup quarterbacks throughout history. So, I mean, if it doesn't pan out as a starter, I think there's always going to be a place for him because of the qualities that he possessed a as a quarterback. Uh, my, my final question for you, uh, speaking of Fresno State and free, uh, speaking of quarterbacks, the Saints' new quarterback, Derek Carr, uh, you know, coming to the New Orleans Saints, Three-year deal, $150 million. Um, 
comes in uh, with a lot of cachet. Uh, some people feel like it was just a bad uh, situation that he was in. He's much better than he ever uh, performed with the Vegas or Oakland Raiders. Uh, now he comes together with his uh, former coach, the guy who drafted him back in 2014. But I, I have to ask uh, about uh, Dennis Allen and Derek Carr. Um, is this like one of the the, the final – I guess, like, is is this, like, the moment in which is the deciding factor, like, are these guys really the guys that we need to take us to the next level? Is Carr good enough to get over that hump? People have him as average. He thinks that he, he's in that elite category. Dennis Allen, is he more coordinated than coach? Is this the year that, that defines that and decides that for Saints fans and NFL fans? The signing of Derek Carr is Dennis Allen's defining moment, hmm. either one way or another. Because right. yeah, we know who's in charge of that defense, okay? Uh, it's, <laughs> okay, if something goes wrong, it's his responsibility because hmm. this is his baby. He's already right. told I call the defensive signals, not giving that up. You can bring in Joe Woods. You can bring in Todd Grantham. It's still his baby. Right. Offensively, though, the moment is now the decision to go after Derek, not to pursue Lamar Jackson, and say, I know a, I know Derek because I'm familiar with him. I've seen his body of work. Um, he's still a young man in his business at quarterback. No matter right. what, you can, man, listen, everybody wants social security plans on quarterback. <laughs> okay. It's the same thing with Hendon Hooker. Oh, he's 25 years old. He right. can't put in years. What? Man, give me seven or eight. I'm not worried about 10 to 15. Uh, so can he give you that period of time? We'll see. But he's a strong-arm quarterback. He's got some zip on his throws. Uh, he's had more fourth-quarter comeback wins than any other quarterback currently in the NFL. Right. So that does tell you something. It tells you Oakland, I mean, the Las Vegas Raiders defense is lousy, you know, and so <laughs> I'm going to come back uh, every time because their defense has given up so many points. Right. And I think the key to this season is what I told you a year ago. Offensive line play, health of Michael Thomas. Right. Michael Thomas out on the field, difference. Now, you can dislike him and everything else. That guy is a next-level receiver when he's healthy. Now, yes. I use the word when he's healthy. Yeah. And sometimes you got bad luck. And then sometimes you got injuries that's difficult to come back from. Sometimes you maybe make a decision that you should have made earlier. The key to this season does revolve around Derek. But can they run the ball? Can the offensive line play better up front? And also, that's part of protection. Michael Thomas comes down yep. to that. Derek Carr is an upgrade over anything you have on this roster at quarterback. He's an upgrade. Yeah. His body of work tells you that. Uh, he's not been no backup quarterback anywhere. He's been a starting quarterback in this league. So um, when you look at it, and it didn't cost you other than money, it didn't cost you anything to get him. Yeah. And basically you got him on a two-year deal. And if it works out in two years, you can make it a third. But 
uh, I think it's the defining moment for Dennis Allen because that offense is not his forte. Uh, Richie Pettibone told me this years ago, Richie's from New Orleans. Richie was a defensive coordinator with the then Washington Redskins. Joe Gibbs was head coach. Okay. At times did Joe get involved in team meetings. So Mikey said, I coached with him for quite some time. He said, I'm talking about double digit years. I saw him twice in meetings. <laughs> He's like, Hey, I I'm taking care of the offense, Richie. You take care of the defense. <clears throat> okay. But Joe got most of the ink. You know, because and he yeah. was Joe Gibbs, great coach. I think he's the most underrated big time coach of my lifetime as a professional coach. You win three Super Bowls mm. and you win it with three different quarterbacks. What? Man, yeah. DJ, I ain't living now. You maybe got a shot, but I'm not living long enough to see it uh, happen again. Right. Uh, with that. So I think with um with Derek, he gives you a fighting chance. And also, too, you always got to throw this in there. In an yeah. uncertain NFC South at quarterback where, okay, you got Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, in Tampa. Mm -hmm. Most likely, I, I don't think it's going to be long before Bryce becomes the guy. Because uh, I, I can agree. a little bit with Andy Dalton, but it's eventually going to be Bryce. Yeah. Every rookie goes through that rookie curve. <laughs> That man, it's overwhelming. Yeah, but it's not long before he starts to pick it up. But it's overwhelming at first. The NFL. I know yeah. Peyton always tells me this at his uh, camps. Man, and I just want somebody to break my interception record. You know, because <laughs> Peyton struggled too. And then you got in Atlanta, a kind of a strange situation where last year I had Kenny Pickett. He was my only first round pick quarterback, but right. my number guy was Desmond Ritter. We talked yep. about it on the show. I thought Desmond was the two-guy. Cliff Cut, he was much better than Malik Willis and some of this other stuff I was hearing. And yeah. people want to push Malik into that. But how much better is he going to be? Because really, he got a little taste of NFL action late last year. But you can see what Atlanta's doing. They're insulating him. Okay. They insulating him with Bijan Robinson, a running game, that sort of thing. I get that. I would do yeah. it too if I was the Falcons. Right. There's a lot of uncertainty. The one guy I know about, Derek Carr. I know about Derek. I can't tell you. Well, I could tell you about Baker Mayfield. I'm not sure you want to hear it, but uh, <laughs> uh, but I don't know how good Desmond Ritter is going to be this year. Yeah, Bryce. Like most rookie quarterbacks, there is a learning curve to the NFL, and he could right. struggle early on. Derek gives me experience. Derek gives me a guy that's been there, done that, and the guys respect him. Okay, they know it's not all his fault. What happened in Las Vegas? Uh, right. they, they know whatever's going on there ain't good. And poor Jimmy Garoppolo got to play behind that offensive line. Jimmy Ooh. Brittle. He's going to be even more brittle I have to put behind those five offensive linemen that the uh, the Raiders got. So um, they've upgraded there. I think overall, you always look at it this way. Are you a better team today than you were at the end of last year? Because not all teams get better. That's a myth. Tell me that the Bucks are better today than they were when the season ended. 
You can't. Hmm. You, you no, don't have – there's no way. You, right. you can't give me of that. That the Washington Commanders are better today. Now, you're better at ownership. You couldn't be any worse. Uh, but <laughs> uh, are, are you better today? Are the Vikings a better team today than they were when the season ended? You just traded away one of your best defensive players for a song and a dance. Right. Nothing for Zadavius, nothing for mm. him. So there's a big myth that all teams get better in the offseason. That's not true. But you can say today the Saints are a better team today than they were when the season ended because of the fact you got better at quarterback. You still don't know about Michael Thomas. Yeah. You, I think defensively, the defensive tackle position, I think you – you you lost a good player in David on your mind. I'm gonna be honest. I, yeah. I, I like David a lot. Fair enough. But um, I think there are some pieces there if you can, especially have a healthy Marshawn Lattimore for a full year. Man, you think about playing all those games without Lattimore. Lattimore take out one side of the field. He's that yep. a player. And you have more communication at safety, okay? Because those guys have played together now for a full season. Right. Uh, but I think you're a better team today with the addition of Derek Carr, Jamal Williams, and hopefully with the development of Jawan Johnson at tight end and just hopefully uh, the good health of Foster Morrow, you yeah. better at tight end today. Yeah. I mean, they, they definitely upgraded. They, you know, they did some things they needed to do offensively in order for them to be uh, more effective. You know, the addition of Derek Carr definitely uh, adds a spark to that offensive room. I think it, it also added, uh, you know, some guys' willingness to want to negotiate, um, also even to come to New Orleans. I think about Brian Edwards, you know, a guy that played with him. Uh, like you missed uh, Foster Morrow. You know, I think that, that played a huge role. And you know, also have some other guys as well. So guys want to be yeah, go ahead. Because man, it is part of his resume. Derek Carr missed very few games in the NFL. He's been yeah. relatively healthy. But if and you always think about it, if something goes down, do you have an experienced guy that could come in and handle things? Yep. Okay, the false deal was, oh, they did Jameis wrong last year, and he's going to leave and go somewhere else. Well, if they did you wrong, you came back. Yeah. You know, okay? <laughs> so, Good point. Uh, that part of bringing back an experienced former starter who was willing to say, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll do this for another year, gives you that option. Uh, I thought I talked to Jimmy Johnson. This was about a year ago. We had him on Sports Talk and asked mm -hmm. him, what would you overpay for if you were a coach? And he said, it's never changed since I've stopped coaching. I would overpay for a starting quarterback, a backup quarterback, pass rusher. He said, I would not overpay for anything else. Wow. Because he said, you one step away from that backup being your starter. You convinced Jameis that this was the spot, the best spot for him in 2023. You yeah. can. So it wasn't like, oh, man, y'all did me wrong, you know, because if you did him wrong, he he could have signed. He could have maybe went somewhere else. Yeah. And so the big question mark is that pass rusher.
can you keep Peyton Turner on the field? The problem is not talent. The problem is when you're a healthy scratch, something's wrong. Yes. That, yes. that bothers me more than anything when you're a healthy scratch as a player. So can you get him to be a consistent contributor? Carl Granderson, we saw the move he made last year. I thought Carl had a good season. Yeah, defensive end, And you add Foskey to the table. Okay, you maybe really helped yourself there at that pass rush spot. The one area you still looking for, and that would be a veteran linebacker. Now, I never have enough good players anywhere. I would love to add another receiver. I would love to add another linebacker. And maybe that receiver is James Washington, who they're bringing in yeah. as we do this now. And I saw James at Oklahoma State. Uh, he's built like a running back. He's a tall cut guy, man. He got a lot of legs on him. <laughs> Even though he's 5'11", man, he's, yeah. he's no speedster by any stretch. He, he's not a guy that's going to run a sub 4-4 40-yard dash. He's a 4-5 guy in that range. But yeah. it's, that is his acceleration to the ball in flight. He does that well. And these little short passes that he can catch, and because he's so built like a running back, he's able to get away from you, and then he takes off into the open field. Mm. Hopefully he's healthy. He had that foot injury right. uh, last year that he really didn't get to play. But uh, I think he could be a help for you. And, man, he, was, he wasn't a good player at Oklahoma State. He was a dominating guy there. You yeah. saw teams in the Big 12, they yep. will rotate coverage to his side of the field. He wasn't beating one guy. He was beating two guys. Yep. He's a winner. Yep, so, really good. Um, hopefully he's healthy and they can come to terms with him. And I think he can help you. And where I think he'd be really good in the slot. Because I got a small oh, yeah. corner. And I think Washington's physicality would match up well in the slot. Yeah. I, look, I I think that watch, watch him for the Steelers and things that he did at Oklahoma State. I mean, he definitely he definitely would be a huge addition to the New Orleans Saints, and um, I think they have a real strong chance of getting him. Like I said, I, I think the Derek Carr effect it, it will get a lot of these free agent wide receivers uh, more willingness to come to the New Orleans Saints because they know that you know regardless they they can get the football and he can he can put them in position to make plays. So one thing you can't say about Derek Carr. I mean, you look at the tight end position. Uh, you look at some of the receivers that he has. You know, they they all have uh, really, you know, you know, really developed really well uh, with him as the quarterback. So if they can add James Washington to it, to already a pretty decent wide receiver room, I think that that indeed would be a, be a plus. Uh, PJ, uh -huh. thing to bring up is we were talking about rookie receivers last year. Each mm he -hmm. Chris Olave, yeah, they got a year under their belt today, right? They understand the NFL better. Yep, yep. that's just so much you can do to get a guy stronger. Okay, and with you look at the build of Olave and Rashid Shaheed, you can get them a little bit stronger, but you don't want to take away other things that they can do well. Yep. But it's just the knowledge of the game, knowing what to do. And I was shocked that we didn't see Rashid Shaheed at all during training camp. 
he was working out by himself. Okay, and all of a sudden they put him in a game. Man, uh, you know, it was like, wow, that guy is fast. No, <laughs> he might not, uh, you know, be the anchor on your full by 400 meter relay team, but boy, is he fast with a helmet and pads on. And you saw Do you that. you think that was intentional, Mike? Like, you know, like. Well, he was coming off the uh -huh. knee. He okay. was coming off the knee injury. Uh, and maybe they knew what they had, yeah. but he wasn't healthy physically, you know, back all the way. Mm -hmm. So it, it is what it is uh, with it. I, I think Olave had a good season last year. Right. Uh, he, he showed us a route runner that his ability to get into and out of a cut and a break was smooth. Mm -hmm. He'd like to become a little bit more physical uh, yeah. with catches, but um, he is what he is, and he's talented. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. is talented. Man, he's got some giddy-up with him, too. After yeah. the so <clears throat> what I think sometimes we forget is you go to work for the first day in your new job. You don't know everything. You don't know everything after a week. You don't know everything after a month. You don't know everything after a year. But once you get it down, then you understand what your job is all around. Yeah. We don't put ourselves in their position. Just go out and play. You've been playing mm -hmm. football since you were a kid. Okay. Uh, I get it. But it's not all the same. It's yeah. not all the same. And so for those guys – to contribute like they did last year. And I thought both of them did a good job. I think they'll be even better this year. Now it's getting on the same page with rapport with Derek Carr. Yeah. Yeah. I look at, uh, you know, LSU, a former LSU Tiger. I look at Justin Jefferson, like Justin Jefferson's first year, like you've seen a lot of promise, but there were moments where, you know, you can see he was a rookie, you know, like there was, but that, that second year, that's when you really seeing him start to like really take off and, and be one of the most dominant wide receivers. I, I I think that Alave has some of those qualities. Like he has like he has really good route running ability. He has that speed. And you know, like you said, as as you start to develop, as you get acclimated uh to the offense uh in this matter, the game starts to slow down for you. And some of the things that you struggle with become a, a little bit more easier. And I, I want to see what Alave can do. I mean, I want to see. I mean, he was a thousand yard receiver last year. So the fact that you thought you were going to come into the season with Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, and Chris Alave, and he went from being what, like maybe the three to the one, and he was able to give you that level of production and, and be that number one guy that you need. I'm interested to see what year two is going to do. And also, Rashid Shaheed, that speed, I mean, that ability. I, I bet when, you know, when they. He gave him that jet sweep for the Cincinnati Bengals game, and he scored for the first time. He was like, man, this is probably the easiest thing ever, right? So, <laughs> and then, of course, like you had a couple more big plays, but, you know, he's a guy that, you know, I, I want to see as well. Um, a lot of Saints fans that that watch this this podcast, Mike, they, they want him to be a part of that rotation, maybe being that number three receiver or something like that that the Saints may need. I mean, I don't know about that for sure, but he, he definitely uh, is a very talented guy. You know, and I, I, I want to see what the, both of these guys can be able to do because they're so young and they're extremely talented. Yeah, uh, what you talk about, mm -hmm. TJ, the other thing, too, is we also got to remember Jawan Johnson was playing receiver and then he got kicked inside to be a flex tight end. Right. So there is some cross there 
okay, you got to understand uh, your position a little bit better. And so you got three guys in Juwan, yeah, and Chris Olave, and Rashid Shahid, young players, and they are more accumulated to the NFL. Yeah, now it's getting on the same page with Derek Carr. That mm. that is the other part of it because Derek has got a one. He's got to trust you mm. that he knows where you at when you're out on the field, and secondly, to Every guy kind of comes into and out of a cut and a break a little bit different. Everybody is working with these guys in the offseason to develop that rapport with them that is second nature for the quarterback. Right. But you can't change how to run a route. Okay. It's easier for Derek to change his throw than it is for the receiver to change his route running skills. That but yeah. everybody runs it a little bit different. So yeah, I can see the optimism and the way the schedule reads. Man, man, my in all my years, th this is like man, a sit from above. You could <laughs> not ask for a better schedule in your life. Yes, man, right. Like, thank you, thank you. Now, again, sometimes injuries. It's not about who you play, but when you play them, that is Good part point. of the NFL. True, but man, uh, the gunslinger quarterbacks. Okay, you play Trevor Lawrence. Uh, and I get, and Trevor's really good. I mean, I, I, man, I'm a big fan of Trevor Lawrence. Kirk yeah. Cousins had your number. Now, you got to give it to him. For whatever reason, I don't care if it was in Washington or the Vike, uh when he was with, in Minnesota, he's always sort of had your number. Yeah. I don't know physically Matt Stafford, uh, what type player he is today. Uh, because, man, when you start to have those, arm and shoulder injuries, that does take it away. But you're playing a lot of rookie quarterbacks. Uh, you're playing guys that uh, their teams are no juggernauts by any stretch yeah. uh, of the imagination. And I do believe schedule does matter. I mean, yeah. some people, oh, that's from last year. Well, there's a lot of repeat in this world. Yeah. That's a lot of repeat of what, look at the top teams in the top 10 who pick almost every year. Don't it look like you know, it's the same team. Uh, yeah. So don't tell me, Skull, the schedule don't mean anything. All I know is every year they got a lot of teams picking in the top ten that were there the year before. And the year usual before suspects. That. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's, I mean, like, that is that is the truth. You know, like, you know, you look at the schedule, I think, you know, they, they play Anthony Richardson's coach. Uh, they play C.J. Strout's uh, Texans. Of course, you have uh, Bryce Young. You got Got to play them twice. I mean, you got some young guys out there. Then you have some teams that are trying to figure it out also. So um, the Saints got to get it done. You know, I, I mentioned that also. They got to get it done. Like, you're not going to get uh, another opportunity like this, you know, to be able to, uh, you know, come back and, and make the postseason. It's been a while. Like, it's been two seasons since the Saints made the postseason. So we don't want it to be a third. And this is an opportunity for you to really go out there and do what you need to do in order for you to make the postseason and uh, based on, like, what you're looking in within the division, you have a strong possibility of winning this division. And that that gives you a home game. And, you know, you get yourself to the playoffs. I mean, who knows what happens? I, I mean, Mike, I'm looking around the NFC. You don't really see too many dominant quarterbacks. You you just don't. Like, and you, everybody talk. Yeah. You look at, yep, you look at Jalen Hurts. That's it. Who, who else? Everybody else, I feel like the Saints have the capability of uh, knocking them off. So we'll see. We're definitely going to see. 
Uh, but Mike, thank you so much uh, for being a part of the State of the Saints podcast. Really do appreciate it so much. Um, uh, before you go, just let everybody know how they can get in touch with you and, uh, and also about, uh, you know, sports talk with uh, you and uh, Bobby Hebert. Yeah, we on uh, four to eight uh, virtually every night. Uh, Bobby's got some time off during the summer. Mm. And, uh, so uh, Steve Geller uh, will be uh, part of our third, team, third member of the team. And so, yeah. uh, but we, you know, we sort of batted around and, you know, LSU baseball's big and boy, yeah. whew, there's a lot of sweat now after what happened. <laughs> In, against Mississippi State, but uh, right. we sort of batted around a little bit with, with baseball, certainly, and it's big in this part with LSU baseball and certainly LSU football, Tulane football, and and, and what Whitley Fritz has done at Tulane's really been fantastic, yeah. uh, able to turn that program around. And certainly being on WWL, we the home of the Saints, so we give you Saints coverage every day. We talk NFL, we talk Saints. And that's the one great thing, TJ, uh, and it helps you too. Uh, you can do podcasts and sports talk every day. The yep. NFL is a feeding machine. Now, it you is. only have a little time where there's nothing, but it gives you stuff every week, every day. Yep. And some move or maneuver or something you can talk about. So uh, we enjoy kicking that around. And uh, Steve and I were laughing about this, you know, sometimes, you know, with Bobby. You know, you got to play catcher. So, you know, sometimes I'll signal him, you know, hey, give me a slider, and then he throw me a, a high fastball way high. And so the ball go back to the – then you got to pick it up and everything. But we good <laughs> with it. We work around it. Yeah. Uh, we work yeah. around it pretty good. But uh, it's um, – man, we enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. It gives people an opportunity to interact with us, either yeah. through text or call-ins. And you don't have to agree with everybody. That's that's why it's sports talk. You know, you don't have to yep. agree with everybody. Uh, but and so you try to entertain and you try to educate. You right. try to give a little bit of information maybe they didn't have. No. And uh, so, but we living in some really good times. When you think about the, you know, if you're in Louisiana and you see what's happened at Tulane, what's happening at LSU football wise. Hopefully the Saints can turn this around. Like as you brought up, two straight years, no playoffs. Yeah. Um, but you know, they're the more intriguing of the three teams. I know what I'm getting from LSU this year. I know I, what I think I'm getting from Tulane this year. Right. What I'm not real sure of is about the Saints. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, like this would be a good season. We we mentioned the schedule. You know, schedule kind of working in your favor here. So. Hopefully they can put it all together. And and as far as like WWL, I, I say this all the time, Mike. If it wasn't for WWL, I probably wouldn't have a career in broadcasting. I mean, I fell in love with broadcasting, listening to WWL, growing up in the '90s. Uh, you know, listening to the games, Saints games on on on, on the radio with Jim Henderson, uh, the late great Hoagie Guy John. Like that. That's what made me fall in love uh, with sports and uh, just broadcasting in general, and just listening to you all. Uh, every single day, the passion and the love that you all have talking about not not just Saints football, but Louisiana sports in general, uh, definitely uh, is, is something that, you know, that I admire and respect. So and I also just thank you so much for, you know, uh, being here today and uh, giving us a little bit of your time. Every, every time I talk to you is always a pleasure, Mike. Thank you, TJ. You're doing a great job. And so many people say, oh, I saw you. when are you going to do TJ's podcast again? <laughs> well, you know, sometimes it's a juggle of the ball for me. Uh, I, I got my hours. Yeah. 
attended for a little bit. So a man of many hats, a man of many hats. <laughs> you know, I swore a couple years ago I would never do another full time job in my life. I've been engineering, you right. know, for almost twenty nine years. Right. I, that's it. I'm not doing no more. Man, a year of being not doing nothing at the house and then at other opportunities in the business world. Right. And then WWL comes with, man, you know, come on, you got to do this full time. And I'm like, <laughs> ah, I'm not sure. Ah, what the hell? Let's do it. <laughs> a lot of fun. And WWL, when you talked about starting with you, uh, have Glory getting me on Sports Talk in the mid 80s. Mm. And then, you know, have passed away. And then me doing it with Buddy D. Yeah. He is, you know, him and I, uh, you know, doing this and now working with Bobby. And to think, you know, like Bobby and I, we a year apart, but Bobby grew up, you know, like about 15 minutes from my home. Right. We now he he lived south of Intercoastal, so he went to South Lafouche and I went to Central, but still. Two guys from the bayou to do it, man. It's uh, on the biggest radio station east of the Rocky Mountains. Yeah, and, you know it's, uh, it's it's special, and I and I appreciate uh, your comments uh, very very much. Thank you. Yeah, no doubt about it, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Mike Detilia here on the State of the Saints podcast, and thank you all so much for tuning in. No matter where you are, wherever you may be, uh, be sure to subscribe to the channel, which is YouTube.com. Search the State of the Saints podcast. And also, uh, we have previous episodes that are available for you uh, that are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Anchor FM. Uh, also, you can check out the Gumbo Pot Sports Podcast uh, webpage, which is gumbopotsports.com. Got some articles that are going to be coming out later on today talking about Saints Rookie Minicamp. And also, uh, I, I'm going to talk a little bit. Of, I have a boxing um, article that I wrote about uh, – my goodness, I know some people don't follow boxing, but a fight that happened this past weekend uh, against uh, Ishmael Bossaro and uh, Roley Romero uh, left a real bad taste in my mouth. But um, you're gonna you can catch articles like that on GumboPotSports.com. Uh, make sure you subscribe, and also you can follow me on Twitter at TJAYJones8. Till next time, all I gotta say is, who that? Don't let these tears fool you. It's all dog around this mug. I'm good.